I am uh, Gary, Gary Thomas. I live uh, across the street at Jesus People, and my wife and I have been very um, blessed and happy to be a part of Jesus People and a part of Missio Day for just a little over a year now. So um, I also want to just say thank you uh, for the privilege uh, to come here and to serve in this way, and, and honor. it's an honor to be able to stand up here before you and, and bring uh, bring the word of the Lord. So thank you for that. And I also want to thank you for your attention. That's a kind of a rare commodity these days. <laughs> uh, just as Chris was bringing out that uh, it's just so easy to be distracted in our world. There's so many other things vying for our attention. So many, there's a hundred other things you could have been doing this morning, but you decided to come here and listen to a few songs, sing a few songs, and listen to somebody preach, and listen to some prayers, and, and participate, and uh, I'm really grateful for that, and I'm really grateful to be a part of a church where people do that, so thank you. Yeah, so I was thinking about, what would I preach, what am I going to preach this morning? I, I, Luke, um, the passage in Luke talks about the, uh, the blind man who um, who receives his sight, and I'm thinking, what, what do I want to say, Lord? And um, it just came to my heart, like, well, yeah, I don't get to do this very often anymore. This is, uh, like, it's kind of a bookend for this year for me. I, I preached the first part of the year back in January, and now I'm up here toward the end of the year. Not quite the end. we got a couple more months yet, but, um, but what would I preach? And, I, and then the Lord put on my heart, well, what would you say if this was your last opportunity to preach? And it really struck me that I, I have a message in my heart that, that has just been brewing for a long time. And it's always been, even when I was a pastor and I preached every Sunday, it, it showed up in various ways. And that message is about spiritual formation, the things that we do in response to God's love for us. So first, I, I just want to establish right at the very beginning, you can't earn God's love. There's nothing you can do to earn it. So when I talk about things that we can do, the, the title of my message, by the way, is Make Every Effort. <laughs> I'm going to be talking about some things that we do as Christians in response to God's love. Not to earn God's love because we could never earn it. I, and I don't understand it. I, can you explain to me the mercy of God for you? Can you explain to me how the mercy of God works? I can't. But I think we're all called to respond to God's love. So I, I just want to begin the message by establishing that truth, that you are loved. I love the way that we had an opportunity to, to greet each other by, by sharing that very truth with one another. You are loved. Receive that. Believe that. God loves you. But you can and should, as Christians, respond to that love. We have the privilege of responding to that love. As followers of Jesus, we have the privilege of responding to that love. And because we live in a world with so many distractions and so many other things vying for our attention and vying for our lives, our discipleship, as it were, it's hard to make every effort to respond to that love, isn't it? It's hard. Sometimes it is, frankly, really hard to live this Christian life. 
But Jesus is worth it, isn't he? He is worth our utmost devotion to him. Our response of love to his love is the effort we put into growing in Christ-likeness in this world. Let me say that again, because that's a tweetable thing right there. Our response to God's love, our response of love to his love is the effort we put into growing as followers of Jesus. What do you want Jesus to do for you today? The blind man asked this question, what? Uh, or Jesus asked this question of the blind man, what do you want me to do for you? And Jesus asked you that same question today, what do you want me to do for you? And the way that we answer that question and the way that the blind man answered that question make all the difference in the world. When he answered that question, Lord, I want to see, it made a very significant difference in his life. It would have been crazy different for his life because he moved from being someone who is, who, he moved from being someone who's sitting by the side of the road, depending on others, to now being responsible to act with this new reality of being sighted. He had a responsibility now. So the question Jesus, I always thought, well, why, Jesus, isn't it obvious? <laughs> why would you ask that question? What do you want? What do you want me to do for you? Well, it's not quite so obvious in that day because maybe he wanted something a little more temporal. Maybe he didn't want to see. I mean, frankly, that had been his whole life and realizing that now I am responsible to do something about this would have been a hard thing. But no, he wanted to see. Lord, I want to see. Now he would be expected to act responsibly as a sighted citizen. To be made well significantly changed his life. I don't want to talk about physical healing today. I mean, I do believe in physical healing. I believe God still heals today. I believe in miracles, I do. But I want to talk about another kind of miracle and that's a, a spiritual miracle. A spiritually, I, I want to talk about becoming spiritually sighted. For today, I want to talk about spiritual blindness and what it means to become spiritually sighted. Think about this, when that man, when that blind man received sight, what was the very first thing he saw? I mean, Jesus is standing in front of him. The very first thing he saw was the face of Jesus. That, seeing the face of Jesus, an ongoing work of seeing the face of Jesus is what brings transformation. 2 Corinthians 3.18, St. Paul tells us there is, that we are transformed into the image of Christ as we gaze on or contemplate the Lord's glory. We are transformed into the image of Christ when we look on the face of Jesus. And so we become the face of Jesus in this world as we contemplate on the Lord's glory, as we gaze on the Lord's glory. Something significant happens as soon as we encounter Jesus. Something significantly changes in our lives. Um, the second verse up there, it says, Ephesians 2.1 says that we are dead in our trespasses and sins without Christ. So upon encountering Christ, we're made alive. The old gospel, uh, the old gospel phrase, being born again. We're born again. 
We have a new life. We're born into a new life. We're made alive in Christ. And then uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, we become new creations. The old has gone and the new has come. A couple weeks ago, the last, I, I wasn't here. I, I wasn't able to join last week in the, in the Missio gathering of all the other churches. But, I, but before that, we had a baptism service. Do you remember that? It's a great experience to see people get baptized. It's a great experience as people enter into that, that work of God by, by the symbolically being buried. You go under the water and the, to symbolize the darkness of death and coming up out of the water raised to new life. It's something that we ought to celebrate. It's a beautiful experience. A new believer <clears throat> comes up. Excuse me. Alive, comes up alive in Christ. It's a wonderful thing and we rightly celebrate it, but there's, there's a problem. We still, even after coming up alive in Christ, we still live in a world that's messed up. <laughs> we still live in a world of sin. We still live in a world of darkness. We still live in a world that's dead in trespasses and sins. We still live among a lot of people who are still dead in trespasses and sins, and they still do things out of their death in trespasses and sins life. And we have the residual effects of our own sins that's still there, right? How many of you, as soon as you were baptized, or as soon as you said the prayer and invited Jesus in your heart, you suddenly became perfect? <laughs> you became just like Jesus right after that, right? Not quite. And not only the sin that of our own sins, but sins inflicted on us that create pain in our lives and wounding in our lives and the, how we respond out of that. There's a lot of stuff that we still carry. We have, but now we've got this new life inside us. We have this new energy inside us that God puts in there. It's called the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who then becomes this sort of energizing power inside our lives. And we have these new desires and we begin to see things differently. I once was blind, but now I see. We see things differently. And since we see things differently, we're now responsible. <laughs> that makes us responsible. We still wrestle with our selfish nature. We still, and we, and we have the evil spirit himself. Oh yeah, oh yeah. We have this, 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 this person called Satan, the devil, the evil spirit, the prince and power, prince and pal, pal, ugh, prince, principalities of the air who still rules in a lot of the way the world works and the world system. Like we have a lot coming against us, don't we? In this new Christian life. And many Christians don't know what to do when the initial excitement of being born again wears off. We become Christians, we're excited, we get baptized, we're excited, everything is new and everything is fresh. And, and then after a while, it starts to wear off. Wait a minute, it's not easy to live the Christian life when that starts to wear off. That's a reality of the Christian life. That's just the reality of living in this world. 
Did God leave? No. Did the Holy Spirit leave? And, and sometimes we may feel like it. Well, where did God go? What happened? What happened to the good feelings that I had when I got saved, when I came to know Jesus? What happened to all that? And we think God, we, we even say, well, God's left me. <laughs> it feels like God's left me, but he hasn't. It's very real that he is still there with you. And we wonder why. We wonder why. I think part of that is because we've believed a lie. We, believe, we, we haven't been properly taught. Many people, many contemporary Christians nowadays, especially in the, our evangelical church, they say, well, all you got to do is say a prayer and ask Jesus into your heart. A, a go to an altar call and ask Jesus into your heart. And then it's just auto, automatic. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. And we wonder why the people of God, so-called born-again Christians, end up giving Jesus a bad name. Because we quit acting like it. We were all excited at the beginning, and it was like, yeah, I'm, I love Jesus. And we, we, it's easy for us to show the love of God. But then after a while, it wears off, and we quit acting like Jesus. And we, then we just kind of become, well, let's just, I can just rest on the fact that, yeah, I've been saved and thank God I'm going to heaven and I still go to church and, well, I still sing songs and, but, but we're not growing, not growing up, not growing up into Christ's likeness. Sadly, we in the church oftentimes are not offering a very good Christ-like alternative to this world. You may have heard Gandhi who famously said, I like Jesus, it's your Christians I don't like. <laughs> what does the Bible say that being a Christian is all about? The Bible says, as I said earlier, we are new creations in Christ. St. Paul even tells us that we have the mind of Christ. Isn't that, do you believe that? We have the mind of Christ. That means we have the thoughts of Christ. We should have the attitude of Christ. We have an energy inside us that can help us to be like Christ. It's there. It is there. It's just we lose access to it somehow. And another place God tells us, talking about what the Bible says that being a Christian is all about. Here's what, here's what the Bible says. In Romans chapter 8, verses 28 through 29, we love that verse that says, God causes all things to work together for good. We love that verse. And we, we quote that when stuff's going bad in our life, we think, well, God's going to use this for good. And that's, that's true. He will. But what is that specific good that he's going to use it for? We leave the next verse off usually because verse 29 says this, for who he know, who knew he also conformed to the image of Christ. That's the good. That's the good that's supposed to come out of it. Not just that, well, I've lost some money. It's all going to come back to me. <laughs> Not just that I got sick and, well, I'm just going to get better in a few days. No. We're going to become more and more like Jesus. God's going to use it. God uses, he doesn't waste any kind of suffering that we endure. If we'll let him, he's going to help us to be conformed into the image of Christ. It's clear that Jesus wants us to look like Jesus, that God wants us to look like Jesus in the world. To look like Jesus is to love like Jesus. 
to let Jesus love you and to love others like Jesus. So why don't we look like Jesus? Why don't we act like Jesus? Again, we've thought that becoming a Christian and getting baptized is checking a box. I checked that box. Now I can go on with the rest of my life. We don't get transformed. And we forget that when we become alive in Christ, Christ lives in us. That's the very purpose of what we call the incarnation. We live out the incarnation. We're meant to be living out Christ in us. Biblical Christianity is following Jesus. It's not some kind of a discipleship program where I memorize some verses and do some workbook stuff and answer some questions. We start to live like Jesus. And following Jesus requires effort on our part. And some people may quote to me the verse, well, I thought we were saved by grace and not by works. You may have heard that. It's by grace that you've been saved and not by works. It's not of yourself so that no one can boast. That is right. We are saved by grace. The reason that many think that um, or confuse this word grace is because they they confuse the meaning of it. In Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 13, it says this, the grace of God that brings salvation. So the grace of God does something. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all, and it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and to live upright and holy lives in this present world. So grace has something, it's not just the unmerited favor of God. Thank God for that. That's his mercy. But also grace is his enabling power. It's, we're supposed to respond to it and let it do something in us to help us transform into the image of Christ that he's intended us to be, that he's intended us to look like, that he's intended all Christians who live in this world to look like. Grace is not some passive automatic thing that suddenly makes us followers of Jesus. Many are taught that the end goal of, of Christianity is going to heaven. And thank God that we have heaven. Thank God for the promise of heaven. I am so glad that that motivates me. But that's not the end goal of becoming a Christian. Death has been conquered by the cross. I don't have to fear. I know if I were to die today, I would meet Jesus, the Jesus I have been following. I would know him and I would recognize him because I've been trying to follow him all my life. I've been gazing on him. Some people think, well, I'm gonna go to heaven, but they, that when they get there, and, and, and I'm not questioning you're going to heaven or not, but I am gonna say, you may not recognize Jesus. <laughs> Because you just said a prayer one time, you, you might have forgotten all about him because it was 50 years ago that you said that prayer. And you haven't really been gazing on him any other part of your life. Some people may be disappointed when they get to heaven. It's like, what's this for? <laughs> what's this all about? Jesus? <laughs> I didn't really know him. And that would be a shame. That would be a shame. And it would be a waste of our Christian life here on this earth. Dallas Willard says, 
I love this quote by Dallas Willard. Grace is not opposed to effort. Grace is opposed to earning. As I said at the beginning of this, we can't earn, we don't earn our way to heaven. Grace, it also, it, grace goes with the word gratitude. We respond to God's love with gratitude. And that gratitude shows itself in actions. It shows itself in effort. We must make every effort if we intend to live out our calling as Christians, who God called us to be, to bring a little bit of heaven here to earth. Heaven is not something that we just are waiting for after we die or when Jesus comes or whatever that looks like. Heaven is something we have a privilege of enacting and bringing to earth right now in this world today through our interactions with each other, through our interactions with our community, our neighborhood, our church, our workplaces, whatever. The great thing about this effort is we don't do it alone. Grace is God's movement, God's work within us. Second Peter, uh, Peter 1.4 says that we get to be participants in the divine nature. We participate in his work in us in helping us become like Jesus and showing others what Jesus looks like. Remember at the end of the, the reading this morning, as soon as the blind man saw Jesus, he dropped everything and followed him. So who are you following today? Culture? Media, marketing, fashion, rock stars, movie stars, political figures, pundits, commentators, famous preachers or pastors, religious movements. These things become the things that shape us. They do. We get shaped by the things that we follow. Whether we're intending to be shaped or not, we are shaped by those things. So who do we follow? Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 says this, follow me as I follow Jesus. <laughs> How many of you could say that? <laughs> hey, follow me as I follow Jesus. Be imitators of Christ. Wow, that's a pretty strong statement. Now, was Paul perfect? No, he was not. He was not perfect. So who is your Paul? Who, is, who are you looking to? Who's given you an example or what? Or who? Who are the people in your lives that you are able to see and go, I want to be like that. They show me what Jesus looks like. Or are you that for someone else? Can you be that for someone else? Show other people what Jesus looks like. Whew. Okay, that was my introduction. I want to talk about how to make effort, how we make effort. And I got three points, and they'll go quick, I promise. This, it's good. The, the introduction was, was more pages than the actual. It'll be good. It'll be good. Um, I want to talk about spiritual practices for just a minute, and this idea of what does it look like? I want to give you some tangible, practical things to make an effort to follow Jesus, okay? These are some things you can do on your own that actually, I'm not saying these are the things that are gonna make you a better Christian. They're not making you a stronger. They're not giving you more favor with God because you do these things. These things are like, they're like, they're like a rototiller, <laughs> tilling the soil in your heart. You, you know the story of the parable of the, of the sower, right? 
Well, the parable of the sower is really about those soils. You know, there's the hard soil and the seed just gets blown away by the wind. The devil comes and takes it and steals it. There's, the, there's some soil with some, uh, I don't know, this rocky soil. There's, uh, you know, this shallow soil. The, the seed comes up real fast. But then pretty soon, just a little bit of, of hardship comes along and it's burned away and it goes away. Then there's the thorny uh, soil, the weeds and the thorns, all the distractions, all the things of the world that keep the seed from growing. And then there's, then there's good soil. And it said the good soil bears fruit a hundredfold. Well, I, always, I, I, I love that because it's like, well, what do we do, Lord, <laughs> to make the soil good? <laughs> Like it almost feels like these are all happenstance, but you could take hard soil and make it soft. There's some ways to do that. So I'm gonna give you just a few little practical things about tilling the soil. I mean, reading the Bible, (laughs) just read scripture, read scripture. Take some time every day, read some scripture. Get a devotional app or something and spend a little bit of time. Get a, get, a, get a reading plan of some kind. Read some scripture. That's gonna start to till some of that soil in your heart. Spend some time in prayer. That will, that will till some soil in your heart. Um, get yourself a, I've talked here about spiritual direction. Get yourself a spiritual director. Spiritual direction is a great practice to get involved. Get involved with somebody to help help you till some, of that, till some of that soil in your heart so that you can be, the idea is to be more receptive to the seed that God wants to plant in your heart that's gonna bear fruit. These are just a few practices that you can get engaged in. What you are doing this morning, attending church, being faithful to your church, saying, I am going to choose to not do the hundred other things that I could be doing today and I'm gonna go to church. And I've set aside this time, as, as Chris said up here this morning, it's just a holy time that's just set aside for God. The more you can engage in practices like that, the more you can engage in setting aside some time just to be with God and let God and just intentionally engage with some of the resources we have in this world and resources we have in this church and in this community, spiritual direction being one of them. Also, we talked, we, you heard about centering prayer or silent prayer. Silent prayer is a great way to till the soil. I love that. Some people, I used to think silent prayer is all about me sitting there. It's like, oh God, speak to me. Oh God, say something to me. Usually there's a thousand other things that, that are happening but, and it's, none of them are God. <laughs> but what happens is by virtue of you taking the time to intentionally say, I am gonna sit here with you in silence for the purpose of tilling the soil in my heart. And guess what happened? You begin to notice God at work throughout your day. Suddenly you notice things that you, I don't, I I, want to go out on a limb and say, you wouldn't have noticed them if you didn't do that little practice that morning. Little spiritual practices are are great. They're great. So here here we go. My, My first point, make every effort to see Christ. Where are you seeing Christ? Uh, another little spiritual practice that you can engage in is called the examine prayer. So it's, it's an Ignatius, St. Ignatius uh, started this prayer called, he had all of his followers of Jesuits do this prayer called the examine. And it's basically at night before you go to sleep, invite the Holy Spirit to give you, just help you remember your day, starting from breakfast all the way through. Find something in your day that you're thankful for. Find something in your day where you thought, oh, that was God. God was working in my life. And then find something in your day that you thought, 
ah, I could have, I missed it there. I missed God there. And then making, a, making a, an intention to go, tomorrow I want to do better, God. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. That's another good practice to help you see Christ, making the effort to see Christ in your day. There, that was the first point. Here's the second point. Make every effort to listen to the Holy Spirit. Romans 8.14 says, those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Holy Spirit lives in you, and as a follower of Christ, you have the privilege to hear the Holy Spirit. Meeting with Jesus every morning, having an intentional time, again, begins to facilitate the soil facilitate your listening ears to be able to hear the Holy Spirit saying, this is the way, walk in it. This is the way, walk in it. Don't go, don't go there. That's not going to be helpful for you. Don't do that. That's not going to be helpful for you. To be able to discern and listen to the Holy Spirit in the moment. We talk about these mindfulness practices. This is a great mindfulness practice to get to know the Holy Spirit in your everyday moments, how he's leading you. Make every effort to do that. Finally, make every effort to obey the Father. You will definitely not hear the voice of the Spirit if you do not intend to obey. <laughs> like, why isn't God speaking to me? Well, perhaps, just, I'm just throwing this out there, just spitballing here. <laughs> maybe, maybe the last thing he told you to do a few months ago, you haven't done it yet. <laughs> or maybe... He's not speaking to you because I have something that I want him to say to me and he's not saying what I want him to say. And our hearts get harder and colder. So make every effort to obey the Father. Obedience. I know that word is hard for us and I don't mean to be um, flippant about that word. Obedient to Jesus, obedient to God, listening to God's spirit and walking in the spirit is is actually a way that we can respond in love to him and become more like Jesus. If you've been a Christian for five years or 10 years and you're still struggling with uh, selfishness, if you're still struggling with, um, and you're still struggling with being more influenced by the world system and the principality and power of the air and your sin nature, if you're still struggling with that after being a Christian that long, then you've not been making every effort to grow in Christ. That's not on God, that's on you. God's given you the energy, God's given you the privilege, God's given you his love and his mercy. And now we have to respond to that. Today is a good day to start to grow into the image of Christ as you were intended, to, as, as God intends you to be, as God lovingly intends you to be, to look like him, to be like him, to show his love to the world. What if, what if uptown Chicago began to, to see, you know, hey, that, they go to Missy O'Day. Hey, they act like Jesus. <laughs> I want to be a part of that. Today's a good day to do that. I just want to reiterate, this isn't about trying harder to be holy. <laughs> this is about using the energy that God has put in each one of us through the Holy Spirit. He's already given it to us. It's just, it's just a matter of tapping into it. We have to tap into it. And we have to make every effort to do that. Imagine Jesus walking by you this morning and asking you, what do you want me to do for you? Here in a little bit, um, we're going to have an opportunity. Uh, there's going to be folks that will be available to pray for you. 
And maybe you heard something this morning that you might want to go, I, I want to work on that. I want to make every effort. I want to be more intentional about this Christian life that I've been called to. I want to stop playing Christian. I want to actually be one. I want to stop complaining about other Christians and how they're not doing it right. I want to be like Jesus. Today's a day to do that. Maybe you realize that you are blind to Jesus and you want someone to pray with you, that your eyes will be opened. Maybe you're, you want to uh, learn more about how you can engage in uh, spiritual practices. Maybe, maybe you want to get a spiritual director. Uh, talk to one of the prayer people that they can help you get that, get that ball rolling. In short, you want to make, an, if you want to make an intentional response to God this morning, today's, today's the day you can do that.